There was an old man who gathered his family members at his, around his deathbed, and he was sharing his final words before he passed away. And he was telling them, I love you all, and I'm sorry that I'm going now, but I want you to um, love the Lord, uh, take care of your mom, and all the good things he shared. But he said, before I die, I need to tell you something, honey. Um, Johnny at the sandwich store owes me $100. And Sam from the shoe shop owes me $200. And Nick, next door neighbor, owes me $500. And his wife goes like talking to um, her, her children around saying that your father is such a bright and, and smart man. He remembers things like that just before he dies. And just, just think about all, all the things that he remembers, admiring him for how sharp man he was, he is. And this man goes on to say, there is one more thing that I need to tell you, honey, is that my landlord, I owe him $100. And at that, she says, you know what? Your father is now going mad. He's talking nonsense. <laughs> He's saying, remembering things that he doesn't have to remember. <laughs> now, you don't, well, talk about debts today. You don't have to raise your hands, but have you struggled with your debts? Don't raise your hands. Have you struggled? You know, in one way or another, we all have some kind of debts in our lives, whether that will be monetary or that will be death of love, death of love, whatever that is, we owe something. And you know, we owe a great debt that is impossible to pay, and Jesus has come and paid all for us. And Paul talks about that in his book, um, Book of Romans. And we'll study the Book of Romans today, uh, a little bit of it. Book of Romans is an epistle Paul wrote to the people of Rome or at the church of Rome. And if you read verse, verse 9, it talks about something. Um, and I will read Romans chapter 1, verse 9. It says, For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his Son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. So he says he's praying for the people of Rome or the church of Rome all the time. He says without ceasing he prays for them. Does it sound like he knows them? Yeah. I mean, if you're praying for them every day, when I call my grandmother, she doesn't fail to tell me that she prays for me every single day. She's been sick for many, many years, and she's in the, in the care center. But she tells me every time that I call her. Uh, when I call her, she tells me that. So it sounds like Paul is praying for his people that he loves, he cares for in Church of Rome, prays for them every single day. He's, he feels obligated that he's praying for them. But if you read on the whole chapter of chapter 1, has Paul been to Rome before? No, he hasn't. As a matter of fact, verse 13 says clearly that he hasn't been there. Chapter 15, verse 22 also says that he has never been there before. He wanted to go, but he's been, um, he wasn't able to go 
So he has never been to the church of Rome, but he says that I am a debtor. I owe you. How can you owe something to someone that you have never seen before? You've never had a business before, never met before. You don't even know them. You don't know their face. How can you owe something to somebody that you have never met before? And Paul says that I am a debtor. I owe you. How is it possible? Let's imagine <clears throat> Dale was a soldier at war, and he was fighting for his country, for, for, for the U.S., and he has his uh, battle buddy, someone who you know, you're supposed to care for each other and supposed to defend your life and cover for someone like each other. Now, his battle buddy got shot and is dying. And there's nothing you can do because he's shot and there's no hope and you are at the battlefield. And your friend tells you, you know what, you're my best friend here and you're my battle buddy. I'm dying now. I can't go say my last words to my family member. Can you please go find my family and please hold my mom and my dad's hand and tell them I love them and go hold my sister's hand and say the same thing for me? And he died. Dale comes back home. He has never met his battle buddy's family, but does he have the responsibility to go meet the family and tell the words? Yes. In that sense, he owes the family members, his friends, family, whom he has never met before. He owes them. He needs to go and meet them and say the words that he heard from his friend before he passed away. So in the same way, Paul is obligated, and he says, I am a debtor. That's what he's saying here in the Bible. Paul feels a strong obligation and the responsibility toward the believers in Rome, even though he has never met them before. Um, why does he have so much passion for these people? It's because, because he says he has been called. The, word, the phrase here, I am a debtor, is so profound, so profound. We all are debtors in one way or another. We owe to the grace of God. Think of all the sacrifice that has been made to enable me to be who I am today. Think about that. Do you think you owe, you owe a lot to your parents? Yeah? Can you be who you are today without your parents, your mom, your dad caring for you? No, we owe a lot. How about our friends? Do you have some friends that you can say, you know what, my friend really, really helped me out, encouraged me, helped me along my way, during school or whatever that may be. They helped me a lot. Do you have friends that you can say, you know, I owe my friends. I need to, rebuild, I need to be really nice to my friends. How about your church family? We all have people that we can say we owe them a lot. And Paul feels the same way. You know, like, because God has given me so much, I owe you guys so much. And I am a debtor. I'm obligated to do things. Because it says, I've been called, like Romans 1, 1 says, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, 
separated to the gospel of God. He says he is called, therefore his obligation is so big. His duty is so great. To be called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The calling from God is something that changes you. Calling. Do you have a calling from God? You feel the call that God has given you? And calling is something that changes people forever. Let's think about, uh, how about Noah? Think about Noah. Can you think of Noah before and after the call? What was his call? To build the ark. Now, if you think about it, did the people at that time believe in what he was saying? No. As a matter of fact, they were saying, what is rain? We have never seen rain before. And you talk about this nonsense that rain will come and flood the whole world? I don't get it. You are building a giant mega-sized boat on top of a mountain? If you were to build a, build a boat, you should be building it next to the body of water, but on top of a mountain? No. But if you think about Noah, his life was committed in building an ark, building the boat. Now, have you read anywhere in the Bible that God miraculously provided just large sum of money that he can build a boat? Where did he find the money to build a, that size boat where the whole world can fit in? I bet his life savings went into that. Because I don't read anywhere from the Bible that God provided money for him. So he paid for the materials. He went to Home Depot. He bought all the materials. He built the boat. And he went and bought people, paid people to work for him. Now, people who work for him, they work for the money. Yeah, well, they work for the money. But did they believe in what Noah had to say? He preached for 120 years, and he paid the payrolls for 120 years for the people that worked for him. But... You know, people who didn't believe, I mean, they didn't believe him. So they were working, but they were working for him and hammering of mockery and sowing of jeering. That's, that's right there. They didn't believe him. But the call, the life call that changed his life forever. And you know what? Because of Noah and what he had done, he has saved the world. Even though it was just eight people, he has saved the world and now we here we are. And the whole animal kingdom is saved because of him. So Noah, his call. How about Abraham? Was his life different before and after his call? Yes. Before the call, he was living in a very comfortable place of a city called Ur. He was in a very comfortable place. The city is discovered to be um, a very well-developed place where they had running water. Um, it was really comfortable. Like, you're talking about probably 3,500 years before our time. But they had running water, shower. It was all like water sewage system. It was all well-developed and a great place. <clears throat> now he's called. Now he goes around and he's going around to the unknown place. Can you imagine? Honey, let's pack up. Pack up for what? Let's pack up. We are going. Going where? I don't know, but we are going somewhere. 
So let's go. Like, I don't know how to pack. Where are we going? <laughs> but they packed everything. They were on the road ever since, going around. And you know what? Abraham is the father of the children of Israel, the Jewish, men, Jewish nation. And the lifestyle of nomads, like gypsy style, going around, just, just following the road. You don't know where you're going. You don't know where. How about your kids' education? How about your house? How about the things that you have? If you're traveling, can you pack as much stuff as you have in your house? No. You could probably pack, I don't know, one-tenth of it, one-third of it. If you pack one-third of it, then you have a large, huge caravan. But you only pack what you can, and you're on the road. But that's how they live their life for the rest of their lives. But Abraham became the father of faith and father of the nation. And Jesus came through his line. And his, his call, his life has been changed, dramatically changed before and after his call. How about Moses? He was called and he was picked out of his basket. Now, do you think he lived a really comfortable and good life after that? Just imagine with me how his life would have been because he spent about 12 years of his life with his parents before moving into the palace. So Jochebed, his mother, uh, had saved his life. Now she's getting paid to raise her, right? Now she doesn't have to hide uh, Moses anymore. But think about it. Other ladies, other Hebrew ladies in the whole town, do you think they would be happy with her or they would be jealous of her? You saved your son. My boy is killed, eaten by the crocodiles in the Nile. But you have saved your son and now you are getting paid? You, you have freedom to raise your son? I'm I think all the ladies would have been jealous because all the other boys were killed, literally died. Moses is the only one who are saved, spared. Other ladies would have been, I'm thinking they were jealous. There would have been some people who are happy with Jochebed, but I'm thinking other ladies would be jealous. And when Moses was moved into the palace, think about the culture shock he had. You know, <laughs> it's a completely different place. And getting adjusting, adjusting into the new lifestyle of the palace and trying to maintain his faith, the, the education that he had, just think about all that. And now he is running away after um, 40 years. He runs away because after killing an Egyptian, he now runs away. He's living with his wife's family. Does he have his own house? What was his job when God called him to save his people? What was he doing? When he found the burning bush, what was he doing? Tending the sheep of who? His own sheep? How old was he? 80 years old. An old man taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. He had his he had none of his own sheep. So think about it. Your husband is 80 years old. 
you don't have a house, you don't own a house, you don't have any sheep of your own, you are living with who? Your father-in-law, your wife's family. Ladies, would you like a man like that? No social security, no paycheck, <laughs> nothing. You are living with your wife, wife's father, taking care of his sheep. You have nothing of your own. Um, so much for a man of God. <laughs> but that's what he was. And God called him, and he became the meekest man on earth. And through him, God has delivered his people from Egypt to the promised land. The calling that God has given to these people is just amazing. It's life-changing. How about Jesus calling his disciples? They're fishermen, tax collectors, different people. And God calls them to be something else. And their life has been forever changed. Paul's life, he was persecuting Christians. He was devoted. He was going around everywhere, catching Christians and killing them. Now, he, after the call, he died for Christ. His life is changed. Do you have a call that changes your life? Because Paul definitely had that call. But you know what? We think, you know what? Paul had that call, and Moses, yeah, and Daniel, and Abraham, all those people had a calling from God. But what does the Bible say about the call of, Mo call of Paul? In the same chapter, Romans chapter 6, verse 1, chapter 1, verse 6 says that, among whom you, are, you also are the called of Jesus Christ. It's, he's talking about people of Rome, the church of Rome, but he's sending this message, sending this letter to you and me as well. So people, when Paul says, you and I are also called. Now friends, what is your call? What is your call? God has called you and me. Have you, th have you thought about that calling? What is this calling? Have you shined your light to your neighbors? Have you shined your light to this world this year? Question, how many of you have shared the gospel with somebody this year? How many of you have brought someone to God, to the Lord this year? How many of you have talked to your friend or someone like a stranger, somebody that you don't know about God this year? You know, if, if you are standing next to someone who had a birthday and cutting the birthday cake and gives you the first piece of the birthday cake, what do you do? You have the whole room full of people and they're all sharing, waiting to get the birthday cake, and you're the first person who got the birthday cake. What do you do? Eat it quickly, okay? <laughs> That's a good way. <laughs> now, one way to share with everyone is because you have someone cutting up the cake and putting it on the plate and gave it to you, so you can give it to the person next to you, and then you get more and pass it on. Pass it on until everybody has one, then you can all share it together, right? You get one and say, oh, thank you, and you go and eat your own. Yeah, that's, that's one way to do it. Too. But like for you to share is to give it to someone next to you, right? 
That's the call that God has given us. God has given us the light. And now our responsibility is to go and share, hand it, pass it on to somebody next to us. That's the work of the church. That's who we are. That's the call that we have. That's the call that Paul had. That's why he was saying, even though to the people that he has never met before, he says, you know what? I'm a debtor. I owe you guys. Because God has given me this light, I'm supposed to give this light to my friends over there. Even though I don't know you, I owe you because God has given me this responsibility. Now, uh, I have a friend who um, told me this story. He said uh, he was born a Christian, Adventist, but growing up, he became an atheist. He said, you know what? I don't believe in God. I don't... I don't see the point. I don't think God is there, and I don't know if God exists. And until God, you prove me wrong, I'm going to be an atheist. And he has been living a life of an atheist. He didn't read the Bible. He didn't pray. He didn't go to church. His mom was very, very sad for him and praying for him all the time, but he was an atheist. He says, you know what? Until I'm convicted on my own, I'm not going to go to church. One day, around this time, around Christmas time, he was walking on the street thinking about his life. Like, this is a miserable life. And you know what? I don't believe in God. I've been going to church early on in my life because of my mom. Um, but now I don't go to church. It's been like three, four years that I didn't go to church. I didn't read the Bible. I didn't pray. There is no point of me living. And he was only like, 22, 23. I'm going to end my life. And he was on his way to his house to end his life. And as he was walking on the path, and he saw somebody coming toward him, he had something in his hand, and he was handing those two people on the road, on the street. It's like, oh, one of those people handing out tracks. It's like, no, I don't want to deal with that. I'm, I'm busy. I need to go home, and I need to end my life. I'm on a mission. <laughs> so he said, I don't want to meet this guy. And he walked across the street purposely so that he would not meet this guy. And as he was going on, guess what? That man walked across the street on the same side with him. So he was walking toward him. It's like, oh. And he had no time to escape him now. Okay, here we go. And this guy handed him a track. And it's like, okay. He got it because it was nice and with a smile. And he passed it to him and he, he got it. Before he threw it into the trash can, he opened it up just to see what it said. Guess what? The first line he read, it really hit him. And he read on, he read the whole thing. And he went home, and then he broke down. And God spoke to him through that track, and he opened up his Bible. He prayed, and he told me he, he got converted after that track. And today, he, he was at my church before, and he was in charge of outreach program, program that is that's organized to hand out tracks 
going out and handing care packages to homeless people. He was the person in charge. And one day, my church went out, and he was in charge of that program. And we planned to go out, and we went to a park, and we went and visited homeless people, and we uh, handed out care packages. And I w teamed up with him, and I was going around and meeting people, and, and we were talking to homeless people, praying with them, and, and giving out care packages. And I'm a pastor, and this is my church member, got converted a few years ago, and he told me that story of how he received the track and all that. And there was a homeless person. He's a nurse. And he met this lady on the street, homeless person, and she didn't have right shoes. She probably had like sandal and slippers or flip-flops or something on the other. And her feet were all swollen. Um, I didn't know what it was. It was cold winter day like this, like today. And he immediately noticed there was something wrong. And he had her sit down on the bench there at the, at the park. Like, um, excuse me, lady, can I, can I see your feet? I'm a nurse, and I can maybe take care of your feet. And um, he realized that she had diabetes, and she needed some, some kind of treatment. She had some kind of cut or something, and it, if you don't take care of it, it's going to get really, really bad. And if you don't take care of it, and she may lose her leg sooner or later. And <coughs> she, he said, Pastor, can you go find some first aid kit somewhere? I'm like, okay, sure. I went to the pharmacy next door. It was a Sabbath, but I went to the next door, and I bought some, some first aid kit, and I brought it to him because it was necessary. So I spent some money on Sabbath, but that's that's okay. <laughs> we didn't have that prepared. Um, and he knelt down. He had his suit on. He knelt down on that park floor, and he was fixing her wound. And we had some socks and, and some things that we brought from the, the care package, but we didn't have shoes. Guess what he did? He took his own shoes off, put them on her, and saying that, you know what? If you walk around this park with bare feet or like sandals, you're going to get hurt. Just use these. I mean, these are men's shoes, but, you know, like just, just put them on. And he gave her his shoes. And I was standing next to him not knowing what to do. <laughs> and I was like, man, this guy is really, really something. But can, can't you imagine? This is the same guy who wanted to end his life a few years back. Because of that one track, that changed his life. And I don't know who that guy who gave him the track that night, but that track changed this guy's life. And I was so touched that day. Now, what is your call? What have you done this year to do that call, um, to fulfill that call that God has given you? You know, uh, Bible says, Paul is the servant of Jesus Christ. The word servant, English Bible translates it as a servant, but the, the proper meaning of the translation is actually a slave. A slave, someone who is the entire property of his master. Paul says, I am Jesus' slave. I belong to him. So whatever light that I've received... Now, I owe it to other people to share it. Do we live a life reflecting that message? Do we appreciate 
the salvation that has been given to me? And do we want to share? Like, like how we share the cake, like how I talked about sharing cake. Or do we want to just eat it to ourselves and not share with other people? Imagine that you needed a heart transplant and you have been waiting for a donor and somebody donated and you have received a new heart, a brand new heart from a young man or a young woman and now you can live a new life. You have two choices. Two choices. You can live a life saying that, you know what, I paid for the surgery, somebody donated, thank you, but you can live a life and forget about everything that you have received. Just live your own life. Or you can live a life thinking about the person who has died to give you that heart and the family members missing the person who had passed away and living a life as if that you are living the life for that person and doing the good for other people. You can live, you have two different choices. What did you do? Now, Paul has chosen to live the second kind of life. Because God has called me, I am a debtor. Now I live a life sharing God's call, sharing God's good news, sharing something that God has given me. How, what is your choice? What kind of life do you want to live? What have we done so far this year? You know, I don't know how many of you realize that we have tracks there in the lobby. We have lots of tracks. We've tracks been there for a while. How many of you looked at them? How many of you realize that those tracks were there for you to take some and hand out to other people? Something that God has given us, we can share with other people. How many of you want to realize and live a life that you and I are debtors in gospel and we can share with other people? So in year 2019, let us share the light that, uh, that God has given and let us live a life as a debtor and as someone who needs to pay back so that we can go home soon. How many of you want to do that? Let us remember that and let us live a life of a debtor just like Paul shared it in his book. Let us pray. Dear, help us to share with someone that do not know God. Share with someone that not knowing what's going on and dying and being destroyed by Satan's snares and in this world, dying with this world. Lord, help us to share because that is the responsibility that you have given to this world in our hands as a church, as a body of God. Help us to share with other people so that when we go home, when we go back home, we can see the result of what we have done. Help us to have crowns, stars in our crowns. Help us to collect stars in our crowns. Bless all of us so that we could live a better life, sharing what you have given us. Thank you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name.